You're listening to Comedy Central. March 12, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Let's get straight into it. First up, President Trump's housing secretary doesn't know anything about housing. His environmental chief doesn't think man-made climate change is a thing. And last night we learned that his secretary of education has a lot of learning to do. Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, admitting on 60 Minutes she does not know how schools are performing uh, in her home state of Michigan. Have the public schools in Michigan gotten better? Uh, I don't know. Overall, I I can't say overall that they have all gotten better. The whole state is not doing well. Well, there are certainly lots of pockets where the the, the students are doing well. Have you seen the really bad schools? Maybe try to figure out what what they're doing. I have not. I have not. I have not intentionally visited schools that are underperforming. Maybe you should. Uh, Maybe I should. Yes. Maybe I should. Yes. You know, the fact that she never intentionally went to a bad school means she definitely walked into one by accident. That's what that means. Just walked in and she's like, this is the biggest check cashing place I've ever seen. Wait a minute. I do feel bad for the next school that she visits now because they'll definitely know why she's there. Be like, wait, are we the crappy school? Is that why my textbook is just a bunch of Snapple caps? Yeah, Betsy DeVos accidentally walking into a bad school would be the best sequel to Dangerous Minds ever. It'd just be her walking in like, hello, students, I'm Betsy. Oh, hell no, I'm out. Shot of school, bitches! But speaking of Dangerous Minds, let's move on, because over the weekend, the president headed to Western Pennsylvania to help Republicans try to win a special election for a vacant congressional seat in the heart of steel country. Now, this is a district that Trump won by 20 points. So normally it should be a cakewalk for the GOP. And yet, Republican Rick Saccone is struggling to hold off Democrat Connor Lamb, partly because President Trump is so unpopular these days. So Trump held a rally to remind everyone that before he was a terrible president, he was a really entertaining candidate. President Trump traveled to Moon Township, Pennsylvania, Saturday night outside of Pittsburgh to rally for state representative Republican Rick Saccone. Connor Lamb. Lamb the sham, right? Lamb the sham. He's trying to act like a Republican, so he gets, he won't give me one vote. Look, I don't know him, looks like a nice guy. I hear he's nice looking. I think I'm better looking than him. I do, I do, I do. And he's slightly younger than me, slightly. No, I heard that, then I saw him. He's okay, he's all right. Personally, I like Rick Saccone. I think he's handsome. So one candidate is good looking and the other candidate is also good looking. And that's pretty much as in depth as Trump got about the race. (laughs) You know, most presidential endorsements don't take bangability into account. I like this new approach, I like it. I would smash him, also him, smash them all. (laughs) Now in theory, Trump was meant to be there campaigning for the Republican candidate, but in reality, he was just there to enjoy himself. You ever see the story where I'm, it's 1999, I'm on Meet the Press, 
a show now headed by Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd. He's a sleeping son of a bitch, I'll tell you. Now that's presidential, yeah. None of this yes we can bullshit. Sleeping son of a bitch, ha <laughs> ha. What a leader. Only Trump can ridicule people for performing necessary human functions. This guy sleeps, folks. He sleeps sometimes. And what about this woman? Her body is literally covered in skin. And the crowd is like, yeah, I hate skin. Yeah, I'll tear mine off right now. Ah, take that, liberals. Ah. Like, whenever President Trump holds a rally, you can tell he's back in his element because he will riff about anything that pops into his head. Melania, great, great first lady. We take, she's great. She's great. She is great. You think her life is so easy, folks? Not so easy. <laughs> who, who thinks Melania has it easy? <laughs> the number one story in America right now is how her husband had an affair with a porn star and then forgot to sign his own non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> Who has it easy? Like, poor Melania still has to pretend she's happily married, which is really hard. I mean, Sally Hawkins had an easier job acting like she wanted to f a fish. <laughs> That's the real Oscar right there. So Trump goes to Pennsylvania to say how much he supports Rick somebody. Uh, barely speaks about the dude. And then on top of that, decides now is the perfect time to pimp his own reelection campaign. You know, make America Great again, right? Make America great again, right? So you know what the new slogan is gonna be? I, I, I won't tell you. We've gotta keep it secret. But our new slogan, <laughs> when we start running in, can you believe it, two years from now, is going to be, keep America great, exclamation point. Keep America great. <laughs> oh man, that was priceless. Oh, you do realize that halfway through his slogan, he realized his rhythm was off, so he tried to improvise, right? Because in his head, he was like, make America great again. So he wanted the same rhythm. He's like, our new slogan is, keep America great, exclamation point. <laughs> Excla like, he had to just finish it off. He was like messing up a slogan. It's like if someone was like, nationwide's on your side, exclamation point. <laughs> And poor Jeb Bush. First Trump stole his dignity, now he's stealing his exclamation point. When will it end? <laughs> now, if Trump seemed like he was in an especially good mood, maybe it's because a few days earlier, he had a big life event. You see, Donald Trump got a new best friend. Global stunner. The president agrees to meet face-to-face -face with North Korea's leader, something no president has ever done. The decision to meet came suddenly and dramatically. Once President Trump heard that Kim Jong-un wanted to meet with him, he quickly agreed. The president was ecstatic, poking his head into the White House briefing room to announce that something big was about to happen. This is the cutest story I've heard about Trump in a long time. He was so excited Kim Jong-un wanted to meet him that he was running around the White House telling everyone. He's just like, did you guys hear? I said, yes! <laughs> Rocket man! Never had a lover like this before! <laughs> now, a sitting US president meeting with the leader of North Korea is like a Sesame Street episode about group sex. It's never happened. Which is why, which is why... <laughs> oh, you can, you can look at that for a moment. You can... 
you can enjoy that. They have needs too, you know. It's natural. Which is why, like that Sesame Street episode, nobody really knows if it's a good idea. A lot of us feel that Kim Jong-un is a bully who needs to be handled by another bully. I am highly skeptical of the idea of meeting with the head of a gulag state and handing over legitimacy. He's not prepared, Jonathan. That's the problem. There's no one at the State Department to brief him. There's, uh, we have no ambassador to South Korea. Will he be prepared? We don't know. But, but Donna, you have to admit that the previous White House and the one before that had some of the most well-prepared, brilliant foreign policy minds that we've ever seen, and it was failure. Oh, that's a really good point. The experts have been trying to solve North Korea for 20 years, and it's only gotten worse. So if the smart people can't do it, why not try Trump, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like if you had a rare disease that the world's top doctors couldn't cure, so you were like, you know what? Why not let that dog in a hat give it a try? Yeah. <laughs> even get that hat. He's got to be pretty smart. <laughs> now, many foreign policy experts have concerns about sending such an unpredictable negotiator into a nuclear arms discussion. But don't forget, that unpredictability throws off the other side, too. North Korean state media, which we have been monitoring very, very closely uh, since this announcement first came out a couple days ago about this potential meeting, hasn't mentioned it. The North Koreans have been so eerily quiet on the topic. President Trump has an unorthodox foreign policy, and I think he took the North Koreans by surprise, just like everyone else. Yeah, you see, North Korea made the offer, but they didn't think that Trump was gonna say yes. So now they also don't know what to do. Yeah, it's like if catcalling actually worked. It was like, hey, sexy, my mustache is lonely. Want to take it for a ride? And the woman was like, sure, let's have sex right now. Uh, uh okay, I mean, uh, I, I guess I could ask my boss, but I have all these nails to hammer. Okay, bye-bye now. So look, I know it's easy to presume the worst because Trump is basically a nuclear knowledge-free zone, but what if he gets this right anyway, huh? What if he goes to North Korea, doesn't say anything racist, even bonds with Kim because they go to the same supercuts, right? <laughs> and then they reach a historic agreement to get rid of North Korea's nukes. That would be amazing. We'd celebrate until President Trump gets home and we realize he forgot to sign the last page. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a Pulitzer Prize-winning author who has written his first children's book called Island Born. Please welcome Juno Diaz. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, quite an adventure for you, writing your first children's book. A lot of people know your work, uh, the Pulitzer for The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. And you are an author who is prolific. You are known for writing amazing stories that connect uh, not only to the immigrant experience, but to the American experience, because everyone comes here from somewhere. What made you go with the children's book? I mean, that's, that's quite a departure for you. Yeah, I, I have uh, a lot of godchildren. I've got two goddaughters who, about 20 years ago, asked me to write them a book about them. They're Dominican, live up in the Bronx. And I said I would, and it took me uh, 20 years to to wow. actually write it, yeah. So they're like, they're like godparents themselves now. Yeah, they're... man. One of them's like a lawyer. They're mad grown. They're... 
I like the idea that she threatened to sue you. She's like, uh, I don't know if you noticed here, yeah, you promised this and now you've been served. I think she's just embarrassed. She's like, man, it took you forever. You're lame, y'all. Yo. Yeah, but so. I, it, it, it has paid off, though. You, you, you've written a story about a fascinating little girl. And uh, for those who've never read the book and for those who want to get into it, what is Island Born about, in your words? It's about a little girl who um, grows up in an immigrant community. She immigrated from the island before uh, she could remember anything. And uh, the book is about uh, her teacher asking all these students to draw a picture of their first country, because it's a school right. of immigrant kids. And she can't remember, and she decides to figure out uh, what this place that she comes from but she can't remember was like. Right, and it's funny that she has to remember a place that she never was because in many ways, although it's a children's book, I feel like it touches on themes that we can all relate to, especially if you live in a country that you're not originally from. In the story, you've got Lola going around trying to figure out what pieces she has of the island uh, inside her, was, was there some of the experience, was some of the experience inspired by, by the life that you've lived or the life of the people around you? Yeah, I mean, part of this has everything to do with how many people we know who carry other worlds with them. They live one, two, three, four worlds. And right. in the United States, it's sort of you're encouraged to get rid of all those other worlds and to imagine that you only exist in one, but it's not true. And so I kind of wanted to write about a little girl who's surrounded by people who live in multiple worlds, trying to discover what it means to be able to join that, to have other worlds to draw upon. It's interesting that you say uh, people are you know, conditioned or uh, encouraged to forget the other world. You're American now. You know, this is America. This is your, don't talk about the Dominican Republic. Being, this, is, this is the only country that matters to you. Uh, recently, we saw uh, the, the phrase, um, a nation of immigrants being taken out right. of, you know, America's immigration, uh, the, the department. When, when you see a nation of immigrants being removed, when you are an immigrant, when you grew up in a community that calls America home and appreciates that journey, how does that make you feel? Is that something that, that worries you? Is that something that, that scares you? Yeah, I mean, first thing, if they had removed that to just kind of give a more accurate description, America is a white settler colony nation, that would have been nice. But really, they did it to kind of... No, really, they did it to sort of pursue this anti-immigrant kind of racist line. And look, man, uh, white people didn't just materialize in this hemisphere. Right. You know, all these folks, if you're not indigenous... You're part of this thing that we call immigration and not wanting to recognize it not only erases the bloody history of why we're here, but also is so, uh, such a rank attack on the communities that have really powered this nation. When, when we go back to the, the story of Lola, you, you realize that there is this weird melding of two ideas in Island Born, and that is bringing a piece of your world into America and then having America influence what your world means and is. Did you find that happening in your life? Because you came over at a young age and then you became a US citizen, I believe at the age of 20. Like, how did you find that balance between going, I'm from the Dominican Republic, but I'm also American? You know, what helps is that so many people have gone through it. Right. You know, usually when you're experiencing, you think you're the only one, you're wrestling with the formula, you're like, how much can I be Dominican? How much can I be from New Jersey? But if you look around, you realize lots of people are wrestling with this. There's a lot of precedence. And what really helps is to think of it not as some weird 
bizarre buffet where you only get one damn choice. That's like a sinister, sadistic buffet. How about you get to choose more than one thing? That right. you could literally be Dominican and from New Jersey, and there's no conflict. Fill the damn plate, yo. Fill the plate. <laughs> you know? Fill the damn plate, yo. Fill the damn plate. Thank you so much Thank for being on the show. Thank you for writing an amazing book. Island Born comes out March 13th. Gino Diaz, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.